as I was perusing Facebook posts recently, which is something I rarely do, I came across a post from a man named George Mueller. And admittedly, I knew very little about this man. May have heard his name before, specifically in missionary kind of contexts. But after reading this article, I came to realize this was a man of God, a man on mission. For example, let me read a couple of the um, statistics that came out of this article. He read the Bible more than 200 times, many of them on his knees. He cared for more than 10,024 orphans over his lifetime. He founded 117 schools that offered Christian education to 120,000 children, many of them without parents. Even after the age of 70, Mueller traveled intensely reaching 42 countries, speaking even to White House authorities, sharing with others his rich experience with God. And this man had put himself in God's disposal and raised the equivalent of $180 million, and none of that was by asking for it. It was all through prayer. He made it a point to not ask for money from anyone outside of praying that God would move on their heart to give money. And this is a man who started as a thief and betrayed all of his closest friends, but was a man who was changed by God. But in the articles that I read and did research on for this particular post, which is Do Not Be Anxious, part two, and you'll see why shortly, he wrote this. It is, a, it is sufficient to trust the living God, Mueller said, and not to worry about earthly things, for the beginning of worry is the end of faith, and the beginning of faith is the end of worry. Wow. I had to chew on these words a little bit. <laughs> they were convicting, um, quite frankly, because I worry. There are times I worry, and I think to myself, what do I'm worrying about? And are my fears worthy of this? I mean, uh, my trust of God versus my fears. I mean, is this real? Shouldn't I just trust the Lord? And I get it. This isn't always easy. Mueller wrote of his conversion, quote, When I surrendered myself fully to God, totally to God, the love of money was gone. The love of home was was gone. I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. The love of a home was gone. The affections of wealth was gone. The love of worldly things was gone. God has become my everything. I found everything in him. There is nothing else I wanted. And I stayed with him, a happy man, a very happy man, seeking to only accomplish the things of God. Powerful. <laughs> so powerful. The Apostle Paul said similar things in the book of Philippians, which is really where our focus will be on today's Five in the Word. Do not be anxious. We'll pick up in Philippians chapter 4, and I'll bring us to verse 10. We're going to be jumping around a little bit in Philippians 4, but we'll start with verse 10, and it reads, oh, beg your pardon, and it reads, I rejoice greatly in the Lord, 
that at last you renewed your concern for me. He's, he's writing to the Philippians who apparently had not been reaching out to him or giving to his mission, his ministry, um, for a period of time. And he goes on in verse uh, 10b. Indeed, you were concerned about, uh, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. This is similar to what Mueller was saying. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And we'll stop right there for a moment. This is indeed the key Paul shares with us. I've, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So how, how do I learn to be content in all things? How do I learn that even in my times of stri- uh, trial or suffering, that I can be content, happy, at peace, and not anxious, and not worry? When is my next meal coming? When is the money going to come so I can pay my bills or, or whatever? And the key there is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We rest in Christ and his promises. Now, the reason today's episode is called Do Not Be Anxious Part 2 is that many months ago, in fact, nearly two years ago, October of 2020, I posted the first one about anxiety, and it was called Do Not Be Anxious, Sufficient for the Day is Its Own Trials or Its Own Difficulties. That really was drawn from Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, do not worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear, for your Father in heaven knows you need all these things. Okay? Seems simple. Don't worry about it. Eh, it'll come. It'll be there. Yet, what seems to be driving us to be so anxious? Not only, I think, is it a lack of trust in God, but it's also maybe the circumstances and our expectation of how those circumstances should be ferreted out. Let's go back to um, our Philippians passage and now get into the actual uh, section of the verse that we want to look at in relation to anxiety. So we'll pick it up. I'm going to scroll up just slightly here uh, to verse 4. And it says, Rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And here's our quote, here's our verse, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Seems simple, right? Through prayer and and thanksgiving, and supplication. The passage says in verse 6b, it says, but in every situation by prayer and petition. Some of your translations may say supplication. And the idea behind that word is 
regularly beseeching God, begging God, but with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, that's key. No matter what my circumstance is in, I thank you, Lord. Sounds totally counterintuitive, but we'll get to some reasons why as we go forward here. So, Paul, in writing to the Philippian church, is, is encouraging them, exhorting them that in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of trials and struggles, do not be anxious, but let your petition be known to God, let your prayer be known to God, and the peace of God that makes no sense, that transcends all understanding, will guard your heart. Okay? Somehow, supernaturally, you can be content. Hmm. This is where we need to go, folks. I'm going to be taking us to another excerpt as I was doing uh, the study here and researching on John Mueller, uh, George Mueller, since he really caught my attention while I was planning to do this Do Not Be Anxious, Five in the Word. I came across a John Piper, um, I don't want to call it a sermon, it was more of a um, uh, he had a speaking engagement. It was a conference that was going on, but he focused on George Mueller in his life, okay, in his ministry. That was just astounding. The the things he did for over sixty years in ministry, and never asked for money. Yet always was taken care of and and was able to do tons of stuff with orphanages and and schools and so on. Some of which I read a little bit early earlier. So let's pick up in that excerpt now. Where I'm going to pick us up. And remember, do not be anxious. Where I'm going to pick us up is related to his own testimony about the death of his first wife. He, he actually was married twice and outlived both wives. And he was talking about his first wife, Mary, and she had uh, um, a fever that oftentimes would, would result in death. Rheumatic fever. Okay, So we pick up about his testimony related to that here. It says, 20 minutes after four, the Lord's day, February 6th, 1870, Mary died. I fell on my knees and thanked God for her release and for having taken her to himself. And I asked the Lord to help and support us. He recalled later how he strengthened himself during those hours. And here, uh, here we see the key to his life. The last portion of scripture which I read to my precious wife was this. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Now, if we have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have received grace. We are partakers of grace. And to all such, he will show glory also. I said to myself, with regard to the latter part, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I am in myself a poor, worthless sinner, but I have been saved by the blood of Christ. I do not live in sin. I walk uprightly before God. Note that he's pointing out in the flesh, in our flesh, we sin. But Christ's death on the cross was sufficient. It paid the debt of sin, past, present, and future. 
and our righteousness is Christ's righteousness. It is the righteousness of Christ that covers all born-again believers. So when God sees us, he sees the Son who paid the debt. So he recognizes his place as a child of God in the family of God that is not under judgment like the rest of the world that do not believe in God. And because of that, he is understanding this passage of Scripture to apply to him. No good thing he will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Okay? So this section right here is the focus here. So he says, I in myself am a poor, worthless sinner. So my flesh, just like Paul says in Romans 7, what a wretched man that I am. The things I do, I don't want to do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Who can rescue me from this body of death? Jesus Christ. Then he goes on and says, but I have been saved by the blood of, the, of, of Christ, and I do not live in sin. I walk uprightly before God. Therefore, therefore, it, if it is really good for me, my darling wife will be raised up again, sick as she is. God will restore her again, if that's good for me. Because remember, God will hold, uh, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. So if it's good that she be healed and stay with me, then God's going to do it. But listen as he goes forward. But if she is not restored again, then it would be, it would not be a good thing for me, for her to be restored to me. So he's putting it on God. God knows best what's good for me. If he raises her from the sickness and she is returned to me healthy, then that is what is good for me. And that's what I'm praying for. However, I know that I could be wrong. It may be better for me for her to go. Now for her to live as Christ, to die as gain, she will be walking the halls in heaven. She will be good and with God and no more, uh, you know, fever or anything else. No more bad things because she's now fully in the hands of God. So he goes on and says, but if she is not restored again, then it would not be good for a uh, good thing for me. And so my heart was at rest. I was satisfied with God and all this springs, as I have often said before, from taking God at his word and believing what he says. Folks, I'm I, quite frankly, after reading that, I was challenged. I was challenged in my heart. You know, why do I doubt? Do I not trust God fully? And to be quite frank, no, I don't. And, and there are many reasons that I struggle in those areas. Trust and, and uh, you know, um, it's not done the way I want. Our expectation Lord, I'm praying for this. Please, 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 please. It doesn't go that the way I want it to go. And it's almost as if we say, well, pfft, God doesn't answer prayers. He didn't do it like this. This is what I expected. This is what I asked for. He didn't honor what I asked for. But keep in mind, it's for our good. God promises to bring good to us, not harm. That's his desire is to bring good to us. But we need to understand that good is what he determines to be good, not what we see.
to be good. That is a difficult thing for us. We need to really humble ourselves, and we'll see that here in just a moment. The Apostle Peter writes to us in 1 Peter, the letter of 1 Peter, about this humility, this humbling. Let's read it here. 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 6, it says, Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory, there you have the grace and glory Mueller talked about, in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Folks, as hard as this is to hear, struggles and trials are there for our good. Think about it. When you go through a trial and you're at your wit's end, you know, money won't fix it, uh, talk won't fix it, your strength won't fix it, you know, you're in that place where you're just cornered. That's when we meet God. That's when we cry out to God, isn't it? We find ourselves in that place most often. The sad reality is, before we spent the money, before we, we uh, you know, tried with our strength and, and spoke and did all these things, we may not have been on our knees praying to God. Many of you may have, maybe, but some of us may struggle in that area. And that's exactly where God wants us. Trust him. He's the one that brings every victory. He's the one that provides every morsel of food. He's the one that has given us a house. Read scripture. Wake up and understand God is fully in control and has our best interest in mind, those of us who have repented of our sin and accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, called by his grace and born again. He has our best in mind, and we need to trust him. We need to truly trust him. So Peter clearly makes, that, uh, makes us aware of that, that we will suffer for a period of time. How long? I don't know. Maybe years maybe days. But ultimately, it's for our good to bring us humbly to our Savior and Lord, reaching out to our Father, asking through prayer and supplication for relief, but trusting whether we get relief right now or not, or in the way that we want it, it is for our good, as Mueller talked about it. I want to bring us back to our Philippians passage, chapter 12, where we started this off and kind of finish it off, bring us home, and that will pick us up at verse 8, where it reads, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, 
If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. This is such an exhortation that I think we need to hear today. We're surrounded with all kinds of bad things going on here in America. The economy is rough. The, our job market might be tough. The housing, the, the you know, food prices, gas prices, all these things. Political unrest and, and division and hatred and fighting and wars across the world. All of these things. But this passage really encourages us to really focus on the things we think about. What are you watching? What are you reading? What are you spending most of your time doing? Social media? Whereas we need to really focus our time and attention on the kingdom of God. In reading his word, being refreshed and reminded. I don't care how many times you've read it before. Read it again. Mueller read it over 200 times. The whole Bible. Many times on his knees. Meaning prayerfully reading it and refreshing his mind and and drinking it in and recognizing his areas of weakness that he needs God's spirit to change him in, we need to do the same. Mueller is just simply a model for us. Jesus is the model for us. Watch what you're watching. Be careful about the social media. Maybe cut it off. Focus on what is good and holy and pure. Reread Philippians chapter 8 and following. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Let that be your focus. Get in the word of God and pray without ceasing throughout the day, every opportunity, inwardly, publicly, with a group, alone. Pray and humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. I want to encourage you folks, if you need prayer, I would love to participate with you in praying. Reach out to me. You can reach out to me with askwecantkeepsilent at gmail.com or wecantkeepsilent at gmail.com. Leave a comment down below and I'll try to correspond with you that way. If it's private, you can even send me a message on uh, Facebook. All the links are down in the description on how to get to my channels on the various apps out there. But I I want to pray with you. I want to engage with you. Give me that opportunity if that is okay with you. But until next time, I want to encourage you all, trust the Lord. Trust the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Consider him in all of your ways and he will make your path straight. And until next time, be blessed. 